This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Hey, Tom, did you ever play men's league? I did, actually. Wow. What a disaster that was. Really? So I moved back here. So I, when I retired, uh, I was in L.A., moved to Michigan. To, my Asian business was really going well. Then uh, moved back to this area and uh, joined a men's league in Greenwich, Connecticut, playing at the Dorothy Hamill Ice Rink. So how old are you at this time? Right here? So uh, let's say close to four, late 30s. Okay. Yeah. So you're youngish. Yep. You can yep. still skate and play. So, so I'm thinking, oh, we're going to go have some fun, you know, we'll go for a few beers after. You know, guy goes around me, no big deal. It doesn't matter. It's just fooling around. Guy goes around me again. Now the blood pressure gets going a little bit. And uh, then somebody slashes you and the blood pressure really starts going. All of a sudden, now you're in fights. You punch oh, you guys man. in the men's league. Oh, I, I played men's league. Odds you know, I'm a national champion roller hockey player. Can you really? Yes, I am. I played with Robbie Carr and Eddie Carr. We won the championship in Florida. Mike Azaron, great team. But I play men's league ice. And uh, there are some guys that are intense. Oh, yeah. My good buddy JD, he owns a. Uh, a huge audiovisual company, and he's like the best teammate in that. He is so fired up every game, oh. and it's like it's kind of he would have been a guy you probably would have fought against in oh. all of these things because some guys are really into well, it. All pretty much every NHL player that I talk to that plays in men's leagues ends up getting fights because they go in with the attitude they're just having fun. And now the young kids know that these guys are NHL players and they want to make a name for themselves right. and say I did this to Laidlaw and everything. We had one game, the final straw. We were playing a game up in Stanford, Connecticut. The Twin Rings up in Stanford. Nice little bar in the middle, so you go play, and then you go have a few beers right. after the game. And uh, can't remember what happened. Some kid did something to me, and I just I snapped. I had enough. Punched him, knocked him down. I think he went down a little bit easier than I didn't think I hit him that hard. And uh, so now his buddy comes skating over, punch him, knock him down. Another one goes over, punch him, knock him down. And at the time, it just. I lost my mind. So you go around like Hulk smash just yeah. on everybody. So now I go back in the locker room and I'm like, what did I do? So I said, okay, I settled down. I think I took a week off, whatever. Came back to play another game and we played the same team again. So I went over to the three young guys and I said, listen, I need to apologize. I should, I'm, I played in the NHL. I'm an adult. I should not be asking like acting like that. And then worst thing was they go to me, no, Mr. Layla, it was great. We went home and told all our buddies that you were beating us up. I said, that's it. I'm done playing. I'm tired again. And that was it. Oh, really? Yeah, because it just was, the whole idea was to play and have some fun. And instead of having fun, I was like. It's almost a lose-lose for guys like you because if you're not the best player out there, people yeah. are going to rag you. And then if you too play too much, they're going to be like, why is this guy? We played against Mike Hartman in, in the league in Jersey, and he was fine. We just, we didn't really recognize who he was at first. He was, he was kind of half speed, but also still, you could tell he was still good. I think that's the kind of happy medium because if you're out there like a hardo skating around everybody, they're going to think yeah. you're just a dick. But if you're, you know, and if someone skates around you, you might get pissed and there you go. Yeah, like it's, but you're playing defense to any, it's worse because now you're supposed to be stopping these guys. I'm an NHL defenseman. Right. So stop. And that's the guy's going to go around because I'm going halfway. Right. Then the whole thing, you know, and it's okay the first time. Then it happens again and it happens again. Like, oh, now yeah, ego kicks in and all kinds of stuff. Then you get to be buddies with guys in your team and you're sticking up for them fighting other guys. Right. Yeah. Then, then it gets to be you back right back in it. Don't do a lesson. And then everybody goes to work the next day. I know. That's what you mentioned before with guys going to work. We played this one game and the, the guy in the other team had like a really good shot, but he had a big, huge curve on it like that. So it was just going to go up in the air every time. Right. Hit our goalie. Our goalie was a roofer. So we had to go to work in the morning. Hit our goalie right square between the eyes and pushed the mask back and cut him wide open. And I said to the guy, What are you doing? This is, we're playing a men's league game. And he's like, he, he couldn't understand why I was getting mad. And in fairness to him, he was just playing hard. Yeah, he was just going just to give it 100% because it's like we get that mentality. You know, I, I, again, one of the things I do is I, I have a roller hockey league that I, I run in New York. And 
I talk about uh, to some of my friends that work there, like this guy Brian Noble, and, and I talk about it all the time that we have doctors, surgeons playing the league, like Mike Alea, Josh Marcus. They're diving and blocking shots and rolling. I'm like, what are you doing? You're doing surgery on Thursday, and I'll also get it'll be great because I'll get it. Like I'll, Dr. Alea will just text me and they'll be like, hey, I had the second assist on that one. Why didn't I get line credit for that? I'm like, aren't you just funny. fixing someone's shoulder? Uh, that's funny. The other one too is uh, they have these uh, tournaments, uh, weekend tournaments. It was featured probably like 15 years ago. And this uh, team wanted me, they wanted to recruit me to come play on the team. I said, cool. well, I told you, come play on the team. You can run the power play for us. I'm going, <laughs> the FBA said, watch me play? I ran the power play. The last coach that had me on the power play was Freddie Shearer. He got fired. I <laughs> well, they, well, listen, even though you'll probably be better than most of the people out there. We, so Luke Robitaille came down to Chelsea Piers years ago when he was with the Rangers. And he played in the roller game. And he, he couldn't skate. He scored 14 goals in the first half. Oh, Just sorry. picked the puck up and scored from wherever he was. So, like, <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can. I could do it. You could do it. Oh. But like they say, what, what's that expression? All roads lead to the beer league, right? Oh, yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah, sitting around having the beers out. Problem is, most of those games are late night too, like at ten o'clock. So the time you get home, it's uh, one or two. Ten o'clock. Where do you play? Most games are like eleven yeah. o'clock. It's insane. And we had uh, actually a good friend of mine passed away, but he and his wife uh, they did have children, so I, I, we got to be really good friends. And uh, so she would drive to the games and then drive home, and we'd be all like you know, twelve beers in. It. Oh, Jesus! And we we would just carry her heart. She was that Italian woman. She had the temper and everything. Now you know when you. She's not drinking, and everybody else is. We're all acting like little kids. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's totally aggravating to the person that's not drinking. I, I played it. Uh, I filled in a couple of times at Sportorama, and they, they have the, these uh, Orthodox guys run a league, the the, uh, um, the Muncie Beer League. Oh, and they uh, it's great. They, they'll play, and then afterwards they're outside drinking and barbecuing stuff, and it's pretty intense. And you know, it's a really cool, cool uh, thing to, to jump in on. But it's it's nuts. Everything leads to the beer league. Yeah, oh yeah. If you're playing a men's league, you drink beer. Yeah. Of course, a great show coming up. Enjoy this one. Yes, this is a good show. This will be fun. If you like the Full Change podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, excited for this show, Tom. We have on a two-time Stanley Cup champion, a, a grinder, you could say. Now, former Devil, former Red Wing, and former Penguin, we have Doug Brown. Wow. We got a, we actually have an intelligent guy on the show here today. That's that's rare for this show. Wick, wick, wicked Smart from Boston, Massachusetts. Wicked Smart. <laughs> wicked Smart. There you go. Dougie, how you doing? Good to see you again. Good, Tom. Yes, good we've, been to at, we've been at a couple of business meetings together, haven't you, trying to raise money for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, we've seen each other a few times in the Greenwich neighborhood. That's right, too. Yeah. The tough section of the Greenwich area. Yeah, it's good. So where did you grow up, Doug? So I'm all over New England, mostly Southboro, Mass. Uh, my parents are prep school teachers, and uh, so I lived on campuses. So always had a rink within a hundred yards of my house, and uh, that was that's how I grew up. Wow! So you start playing hockey like at five, six years old? Sure, sure. Yeah. If that late. So uh, always, uh, you know, my parents were at uh, Trinity Pauling and then oh. Southfield Academy, then St. Paul's in New Hampshire, then at St. Mark's when I was nine in Massachusetts. And so grew up from nine on in Massachusetts. And wow. So, so Boston holds more weight in the, in the hockey world. So I just say I'm from Boston. That's a pretty cool upbringing. I never thought of that with the teachers that would have the rank uh, right by right there. That's cool. Trinity yeah. Pauling's good. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You got 300 brothers and sisters yeah. all the time. Wow. That's cool. And so uh, were you a pretty good player right away, getting on the ice all the time? Uh, no, my, uh, too fat, too slow. Uh, my, my dad was a college football player, and I ran track, and uh, a couple of my uncles played college hockey with right. captain of, well, they were at Brown and they were at Clarkson. And uh, so I grew up in a, my older cousins were hockey players, so hockey is what I love and what I did, but my dad told me I was too slow to, and too, too fat to be the running back or quarterback on the football teams. Kept me on the ice. Right. So you just kept skating. Because <laughs> your skating was pretty your skating was pretty good at the NHL level, right? Thanks. Um, I would say everybody's skating is pretty good. Did you see Tom skate? You did yeah, skate. yeah. Yeah, well, you have other skill sets. Though. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Slashing. It was, a, it was a different league then. Yeah, yeah. it definitely was. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't have to skate too well. Yeah, that's true. Um, so so you come along, did, now did you play in a prep school? Did you actually? Yeah. I went to St. Mark's, okay. went to St. Mark's, then went to Boston College, played four years there, and then uh, I was never drafted. Again, uh, too slow, uh, too small, actually, back then. Too small. Right. So not drafted at 18 or 19, and so I was a free agent coming out of BC, and a few teams were interested, and New Jersey uh, showed the love, and they were at the bottom of the food chain, and I looked at the roster and thought, I got a chance of making this over some of the other organizations and said, I'm going to Jersey. 
Wow, very cool. Very cool. Who was the coach at college? Uh, Len Siglarski. Len Siglarski. Oh, wow. Let's go back a little bit. What years is this now? What years did you jump pro? I graduated 86 oh. and went, went pro then. And, and uh, right there, that senior year of at BC, I was fortunate enough to play on the U.S. national team over in Moscow for the world championship. So there's about half U.S. U.S. had half pros, half college kids at that time. And so that was a great experience for me to actually go play against. Well, my line mates, teammates, I should say, were the Mark Johnsons and the Air, uh, Aaron Broadens and, and uh, some of the other great Olympians. And so I, and then we played against the Fatisovs and the Fedorovs and the uh, Larianovs and, and Konstantinovs. And so I saw what the level was at. And so that helped, you know, yeah. uh, help me put a uh, metrics on, can I play this game at the highest level or not? And sure. it was a good, good shot in the arm. So you believe you could play in the National Hockey League at that point? At that point, when I saw what the you know the top pros around the around the globe were doing, right, um, I said I, I can play this game. Very good, I like that too. So, and had you known Larry, uh, Lou Lamarillo at that point before you went to? Did you... He, I got there before him. He didn't come to another oh. year. So it was Mac. It was Max McNabb was the general manager at that time, and Lou, oh. Lou came the next year. So Lou was at Providence College. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we knew each other. We were on the opposite benches. Yeah, right. So how'd you get how'd you get along with Lou? Lou's tough. Lou is, uh, so I, I played seven years in New Jersey and it was, uh, I'm going to say it my way. I finished most seasons at third line, right wing. I'd show up the next year at camp at fifth line, right wing. And so, so when I got to Pittsburgh, the doors opened for me to play the game my way. And right. it went really well, uh, statistically in Pittsburgh. And then they gave me away to Detroit and in Detroit, uh, things went really well. Scotty uh, Bowman uh, liked the way I played, and he used me some games 18 minutes a game, some games three minutes a game. It didn't matter, but he would, he would as as he moved the chess pieces, uh, I was a huge fan of how he how he coached the bench, and I, I, I feel like I got my PhD at that moment. Oh, really? You liked him? So go back to Lou real quick. I mean, again, that's just Lou's way, right? I mean, it's Lou's no, way, it, and that's it. Yeah, Lou, Lou has his players. Lou does a great job. Make yeah. no mistake about it; he's got great teams. Uh, I didn't fit into the puzzle, so I was, I was, I was swimming. Up. But to last, but to last for seven years, though. But to last for seven years, he's got to like you a little bit, right? I mean, he's... yeah, I, I don't know. I'm playing against him. <laughs> yeah. So, so I actually lost in the finals to New Jersey uh, in '95. I was Detroit. That's right. We only had half a season, and. Um, we only played the West teams. East only played the East. West only played the West. And so we had an absolute great year in 95. Uh, it was only a 42-game season or whatever it was. And then we beat Chicago in five games, but three of them went into overtime. And we felt like we'd played 15 games. It was an absolute war to get oh. through Chelios and Ronick and, and Sutter and uh, Suter and, and that whole crowd. Right. And um, we waited almost two weeks for New Jersey to be the Rangers that year. Oh. Uh, we wanted, you know, the, the league wanted to start on us, call it a weekend game, and we finished early. They went seven games. And when we showed up in that war, the Stanley Cup Finals, we were, uh, we just were looking to play good hockey, and we were no longer angry. And New Jersey was still angry coming off oh. of beating, beating the Rangers, and they grinded us. They grinded us, and us, we lost four straight, and we're going, what the heck just happened? Because we really felt we had a great team. Right. Well, and Scotty was still coaching at that point? Yeah, Scotty, Scotty had just gotten there two years before that. That was his second year coaching. He'd coached maybe even his first. He had gone to Detroit first as like a president. Uh, he had left Pittsburgh. Yeah, the year before I was in Pittsburgh, he was in Detroit. He had left, and then... Uh, uh, he went down to the bench, and that might have been his first year coaching, right. maybe second in Detroit. And then, right. then we had next year we lost to Colorado in the finals, which again, we thought oh. we were the best team. And Colorado again beat us, uh, and we another life lesson. And then the next two years, ninety seven, ninety eight, when we got to the quarter uh, quarterfinals and and semis and finals, we there was no mercy. So we we swept Washington and then well, we swept Philly, then swept Washington. Those two finals back to back and. We were pretty angry by that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that team was loaded, right? You want to talk about that? You had a ton of Hall of Famers on that Detroit team. 
Yeah, I think I, I think over half the team. I mean, you, you, we played a we played an outdoor game a couple of years ago, about five years ago in Colorado, and so I think there were like twenty two Hall of Famers on the ice. And That's right. Wild between right. the two teams. So is that the goalie brawls then too? Is that when uh, the yeah, three were hitting? Yeah. Right. yeah. So that was that was uh, the hit was when Colorado knocked us out in '96, and they went on to win the cup. They swept Florida, right. and then night seven was uh, round two and round three of those fights. Well, those was that that was good brawls too with Patrick Rock and one another. That there that was classic those, stuff. Those are those are crazy. Those are those are they're, they're obviously they're making movies about it and. Uh, people say, "Did you go see the movie?" I go, "No, I was there. I know what happened. It was. It was. Well, they, they, I didn't know they had a movie about it. Oh, wow! Yeah, I, I, let's see that. Well, you did a thirty for thirty or something. You, Doug, you got to be part of two incredible NHL rivalries with the Rangers Devils, which wasn't as intense at the time in the Colorado uh, Detroit rivalry. Do you think they compare to each other? Sh- sure, they are. Awesome rivalries, and you know that that New Jersey when New Jersey was trying to earn their respect, and eventually they did. And and that that Ranger team that won the cup, they put that together, and and that was a massive team. Um, I think, I think ours in Colorado was, uh, I don't know, just because I was there, I wasn't in the East, but I think it was more um, uh, hatred about every single day. You did have the New York papers probably building up the New Jersey. Uh, New York rivalry, but I'm going to tell you that Colorado Detroit one was yeah. Uh, there's there's a, there's a real hatred there, right? I mean, there's some real hatred. Yeah. There's some real hatred. Right. So going back a little bit, you would uh, how did you leave New Jersey and get to Pittsburgh? Were you traded? Uh, I was eventually long, long, long story, but eventually they released me a week into camp. I had or two days into camp, I wasn't showing up at camp. We had tried to get me out of there for a year oh. and um lou thought i should be in the minors for the most part and oh. i i felt like i give me a bag of pucks or get whatever you can for me just let me go oh um so eventually i got out of there and i went to pittsburgh uh, i said craig patrick um will you will you take me i'll take the lowest salary on your payroll he says dougie uh i'm not i'm not i don't have any money i i, I can't pay you and, he, and I said, Lou, uh, Lou, uh, Craig, I can, uh, I'll play for the lowest salary. Give me a chance. He goes, okay, I'll give you a tryout. I go, a tryout? Well, Oof. you got to be kidding me. And uh, he says, yeah, yeah, I can only give you a tryout. That's what my owner will only let me do. I said, all right, I'm coming on a tryout. He says, okay, I'm sending a plane ticket. This is like two days in the camp. Right. I go, I don't need a plane ticket. What are the directions to Pittsburgh from? from and I was living in White Plains. I go, right. wait. Just tell me what highway to get on. I'll be there in a, a few hours. I was, no, no, no. What happens if you don't make the team? I said, I'm making your Oh, nice. Team. <laughs> nice. That's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Craig, Craig would like that, too. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I drove down, got a monster speeding ticket on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and I said, I've never been so happy to pay a ticket, oh. and got to Pittsburgh. And uh, 48 hours later, we were playing against preseason game against the Rangers, and Craig comes flying into me before the game asking me to sign a contract at uh because if I had played that game Rangers could have signed oh I was a, I was a complete free anyone could have signed right so well. he 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 signed me within 48 hours before I played against the Rangers that night did you have to sign for the minimum yeah I signed for the minimum right um actually what I signed for was like previous year contract oh, okay which was still pretty low right um and uh, I said, I'll sign a one-year deal and then renegotiate. And he said, uh, uh, I don't know, long and short of it, I signed I signed a one plus one, not happy with it. Right. The following year, he doesn't give me the 15% raise. And and statistically, I'd had a very good season. Right. 50, 55 points. 55 even strike points-ish, I think. And uh, a few shorthanded. And, and Scotty Bowman comes up to me during the summer. We're at a golf tournament together, actually, here at Wingfoot. And he sees me across the fairway, and 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 I only know him from afar as the legend Scotty Bowman. Yep. He says, "Dougie, Dougie, uh, what do you think about coming to Detroit?" I said, "Well, no, I'm renegotiating with Craig Patrick. I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Family likes it." He says, "Well, he didn't give you a 15 percent raise. You're a free agent." I go, "Yeah, well, we're working on one." He goes, "Huh?" He goes, "Well, I'm offering you, and he offered me a good contract. It's about 80 percent raise." Oh, and and I go. 
I go, uh, I'm thinking to myself, Scotty Bowman wants me to come to Detroit. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm going, well, my wife likes it in Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, and I asked for just a little bit more. He goes, I can't give you that, but let me go. He runs into the clubhouse at Wingfoot, calls Jimmy Devolano back in Detroit. Uh, Dougie Brown wants ABC. And uh, Jimmy says, no, no, we're not giving him that. So he comes back out, says, Dougie, no. But if you want to play for the other number, you can, you can, you can come. And I said, okay, I'll talk to my wife and we'll, we'll and and my lawyer and we'll we'll discuss. I said, thanks, Scotty. Sure enough, the lockout happens that year in Pittsburgh. I still don't have my raise, and I get to the season's about to start January. I don't know, ten. Right. And my brother's also on the team. Greg Brown is playing for Pittsburgh as well. Okay. He is not protected in the waiver on the waiver draft. I am. We're out there practicing. We're going to play that night. The assistant coach comes out and says, Dougie, uh, Craig Patrick wants to talk to you. I said, what do you mean he wants to talk to me? He says, I- I'm thinking for sure he wants me to go tell my brother that my brother got picked up by somebody. I go into the locker room. He says, Dougie, I got good news, bad news. I go, what's the good news? Good news is uh, Ottawa didn't pick you up. I go, Ottawa didn't pick me up. What's the bad news? Detroit picked you up. I go, are you kidding me? They offered me a oh. raise. Oh, he goes, well, I... I go, and you just gave me away at a pre at a low number. He goes, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know. And I said, this is unbelievable. You call him up, trade me back. But you know, I want to stay here. I want to play here. Right. He goes, no, no, you got to go. You got to go. Scotty's on the phone. Picks up the phone. Gives me the phone. I go, Scotty, trade me back. He goes, no, Dougie, I need you here. We're playing. We're playing tomorrow night. You're on Stevie Eisenman's line against Calgary. Wow. And and and, and I'm I'm stuck. I'm going. Okay, Scotty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on, what, on what side you're upset about not having that extra money? At the same time, now you got a coach that really like a Scotty Bowman yeah. that watch right. there, right? Brandon Steve, wow, that's cool. Right. So I went, I went to Detroit, and it was the best thing ever that happened. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. And won two cups there in Detroit, right? Two cups. I as as we said, I I lost. We lost two. Well, we lost at New Jersey in the finals, Colorado in the semifinals, and. Uh, then we won two, and then that following year we were on fire again. Uh, we were exhausted though. Those four times, those those extra playoff games going into the summer were incredibly wearing on the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went into Colorado. I don't know if it was the quarterfinals. It was quarterfinals, and we were up two games to nothing. Ozzy tweaked his knee, our goalie Osgood, and then uh, Colorado won the next four, and we were exhausted. So you had Nick Lidstrom, you had Luke Robitaille, Brett Hall. Uh, Luke and Brett didn't show up till no. 2021 as I got out of there. But, okay. but 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 my lineup, you know, you had Fedorov, Kozlov, oh, that's right. yeah. Fatisov, Larionov, uh, Iserman, Shanahan, Marty LaPointe, Draper, Kosher, Maltby. Uh, a decent team. They're uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Lidstrom, uh, Rouse. Was Murphy there? Uh, Larry Murphy, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had Brent Gilkirst, uh, uh, Bob Erie for part of it, uh, Ray Shepard and Dino Cicerelli at the start of, of those. That's right. Um, we had some unbelievable players. Jamie McCowan came in for one of those playoffs. Yeah. The, the lineup was off the charts. Yeah, that was, those good teams. That was good. So many years total did you get in the national hockey team? Uh, 15 years, you know, I, I, uh, 15 years. Right. Wow. So, hundred games in the minors. Yeah. Nine hundred ish in the NHL. Hundred I watched that the coach said you stink, and then and probably a hundred playoff games, and probably a hundred preseason games. You know, you you think back now that we're older and we go back this thing. Yeah. Somewhere around that we played you know twelve hundred games. And- wow. That's <laughs> that's a heck of a career, right? I mean, battling through the Lou, like again Lou. Yeah, it's the week saw you. Yeah, yeah it, it it it's okay if it, if it doesn't kill you, it makes it stronger. Yeah. You believe in yourself, right? So, so just let me play someplace. Forget it wasn't drafted too. That's a pretty good career, right? Well. Uh, I you know I uh, thank you. You know the the nineteen eighty Olympics had a lot to do with me believing that I could play the game uh, right. because I'm a sophomore in high school and I saw you know Mark Johnson's the best example of of you know one hundred and sixty five pounds at five ten. And he could play so well in the Olympics and play in, in the National Hockey League. I said, you know, at the time that was my size. And I go, if he can play, I can play. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you don't have to. Back then, the Bruins had O'Reilly, Winsick, and Jonathan beating everybody up. And I go, what am I going to do with that? And, uh, no <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. That's right. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My first regular season game was a boss on those guys. You know, so I got through the preseason and everything, but you go out there and they can, and I was supposed to be somewhat of a tough guy too. And I think, oh my God, what have I got myself into, right? Oh. Yeah, they had a tough lineup. <laughs> so how did it end in Detroit then? Did you just, that was enough for you? <laughs> uh, well, 15 years, uh, it was helter-skelter. Right. We lost in the first round to... We had a good team. We had, we're ready. This is 2020, 2021 spring, and we had a good team. We're up two games to nothing on LA, and then we lost four straight to LA. Scotty Bowman's no longer running the GM spot. He's just coaching because of his health. And so Kenny, Kenny decides he wants to go younger was his original strategy. So Murphy, Verbeek, and myself were all late 30s. He, he, he decides not to resign us. And then Hall Robitaille comes elbow and he signs those two. So he he just upgraded his old guys. And then they won that next year. And I was doing the color during that season. Um, Oh, also, I had an opportunity, a couple of the other NHL teams, including here in New York, asked if I wanted to come play. And I was hesitant. I wanted to go play back in Detroit where I knew Scotty was only going to use me 65, 70 games. And he'll use me the way I can. And uh, depending on the lineup that we're playing against, at 38, I didn't need the, the football. I didn't need to go try to go 20 minutes a game with 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 the youngsters. So I rather play 10 minutes a game with Sergey on my line than True. 20 minutes chasing Sergey. Yeah. And so uh, 9/11 happened, and oh. so the whole world stopped right then. So right. as I'm trying to either get back into Detroit, or it's right there at the starting training camp, I'm still talking to Detroit, and then the world happens. Yeah. Uh, and so I just sat still with my family and then the season moved on. So maybe I was going to play another season, but it stopped at 9-11. Yeah. Okay. So you got into broadcasting right away in Detroit? Yeah. They they asked me to jump in. Uh, Mickey Redmond was, wasn't feeling well. He had health issues with the food. And so I did a lot of the road games. So it was easier for him to take care of his, himself mm-hmm. that season. So I'm trying to think how many I did, but I, I might've done somewhere between 25 and 45 games color. Yeah over two seasons. Did you enjoy that? Uh, you know what I really enjoyed? I enjoyed doing pre, pre-game, post-game. Uh, during the game, it's hard for the color guy to get in. Play-by-play guy, play play guy is doing terrific. He owns it. And it's hard to go back and explain the sport unless you have time to actually bring up yeah. your film. Yeah. So uh, it took me a while to learn how to uh, slap my play-by-play guy and say something over him uh, right. during the play. That, that, that took a while. Yeah, that is a tough thing, right? Being concise and getting the, you know, why did this happen to explain right. to fans. Yeah, very cool. Sorry, so then you do that for, for broadcasting, and then hockey's done for you at that point. Yep, hockey's done, and then I have uh, I have five kids at that point. Right. And so, and I and I also, I you know, I, I said to the wife, do you want to go live in another city? Or, no, I'm raising the kids here, so if you want to go play, go play. 
And okay. I said, well, you know what? Let's settle down. I've played 15 years. The body hurts. Wow. And so, and so here was where in Detroit. We no, we stayed in okay. we stayed in we stayed in Detroit another twelve years. Oh, okay. And well. and, and uh, so I I started working for as a consultant for Sun Microsystems, um, just opening doors and and, and helping them uh, look locally and ac actually actually across the country. They flew me around a little bit just to make people feel happy and and, and show the latest greatest uh, technology that Sun has. I did that for a year and then. My uh, brother-in-laws were starting their own Wall Street firm on the floor of the exchange, and they asked me if I wanted to come into outside sales. I said, great, what do I need? They said, Series 66, Series 7, yeah. all these exams. I'm going, oh my gosh, I haven't taken the exam in 15 yeah. years. So the funny story is I, I, I go to take my Series uh, 66. It's a six-hour exam, right. and I've been cramming for a couple months and, and scared out of my mind that what happens if I don't pass and grind through, grind through. But here's the part at the start of it. I show up with my number two pencils all ready to go. It's on a computer screen, computer screen. I've never used a computer. I, I hardly write an email at this oh. point because it came out during all of my NHL career. Right. So I didn't, I didn't take any classes online or anything else. And so I'm working the mouse and that was probably more stressful than answering the questions. So that was the first time you used a computer, right? The first time you yeah. used a computer? In a stressful situation, okay. gotcha. 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 you know, I had done one or two simple emails. That's right. about it. Right. So that, and, and so then you know, get all licensed up and, and I ran around uh, New York and, and Boston to my hedge fund buddies that I had used to skate and play youth sports with or college or high school and said, Hey, listen, I passed you the puck. How about some trades through our seats on the floor in New York stock exchange? And it was very much just a relationship driven for a little while there. And then, um, found myself the floor became electronic there weren't much in the commission world there so i i started to raise money for hedge funds and i flew to moscow uh, fatisov and i are the closest of friends and he invited me over for some events so i started to go to moscow and try to do business with the russians and this is you know 2004 five six and russia's cruising so i start bringing in uh american companies would try to do co-invest with Great, great life experiences, yeah. unbelievable stories. So many times I think we're going to crush and be billionaires. Uh, we made peanuts, but we life lessons and what yeah. we're good at were, were awesome. And so then I, uh, 2008 happens, and I just start doing that in North America, and I've been doing that ever since, which mm -hmm. is, I call it private equity. But I, if, if I know what your company does well, and is it looking for finances, is it looking for people, is it looking to sell? I try to find the other side of the, the equation. So there is no method and methodology other than relationships over the years. And I work with a lot of uh, uh, people around the, the Greenwich area in New York. Sure. Great place to be, yeah. yeah Greenwich right. area. Yeah, a lot of hedge funds here. Uh, so this is your business then? This is my business. And what's it called? What's the name of it? It, it? It's truly global partners, but there's nothing. It's just it's just me. It's my yeah. LLC. And then whenever there's a deal, it's between two larger companies. Yeah. I, I, I've just, just brokered a, a relationship. Yeah, good. So I've got similar stuff too, right? It's like post game strategies. By you and I have been in some business meetings together, so it's it's a fun business because it is all relationships and people who you know. And yeah, and then I think the big thing that I've really learned too is that uh, like don't be afraid to tell people who you are. Like you're Doug Brown, you played in the National Hockey League. You're not bragging about that, but people are interested in that. I made a uh, when I first got going on my business, the other business people said to me, "Tom, you got to use the fact that you played for the New York Rangers." So I said, all right. So I, I actually did a Google search of uh, Wall Street and uh, hockey and met, there's about 20 guys that have played college hockey, whatever. And the first guy I met was uh, was Doug Hirsch. Uh, do you know Doug? You know Doug, right? Isn't that how we... It was my line mate in high school. Yes, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> I knew there was a patch now. So I tell this story all the time about Doug. Fantastic guy, very successful. I think he had at the time like about a $4 billion fund going on or however big it was. Right. And uh, so I called him up, got a secretary, and, and I said, this is Tom Laidlaw. He used to play for New York Rangers. And she drops the phone. And I hear the pitter patter of little feet. She's running down the hallway. I think what's going on here. He gets on the phone. I probably told you the story. And he says to me, he says, "This isn't Tom Laidlaw." He thought it was one of his buddies joking around. He said, "Tom Laidlaw would never call me." And I'm thinking to myself, "This guy's got a four billion dollar fund. What's he worried about Tom Laidlaw for?" Yeah. So I said, "No, Doug. Yeah, this is Tom Laidlaw. I really don't need anything. I just wanted to meet you." So he had me down for lunch the next day, and his, as you know, his office was like a hockey hall of fame at the time. So. Uh, he was a good friend. Good guy. So I learned my lesson to really uh, to use the, the hockey. I guess use is probably the wrong way of saying it, but uh, make sure people know. Leverage. Leverage. Nice. I like that. It, 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 I, it's, 
I, I call it, it's our stars on our shoulder, or our stripes, however you want to say it. We, we did something. We got to the pinnacle of, of our profession right. at a very early age. And only a few people can say that when you're the top, you know, whatever, 500 in the world at something. Yeah. You have to, you did something right. And, yeah. and the key is not to, uh, well, I'm not going to say the key that be proud of it. Yeah. Show that you did it and then, and then move on. Yeah, there's more to you than just the fact gotcha. that you're hockey player. You're an intelligent man. You're a businessman. Yeah, you're good. Good. Right. So going back to the Jersey Devils, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. But like for seven seasons now, you're first seven years. <laughs> so you go through that every year where you're you you prove that you can play, but then when you come back the next year, all of a sudden you're you're a fifth line player. Well, 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 well. I mean, there's lots of draft picks, there's trades, there's yeah. a lot of things going on. So yeah. and we we also went through seven coaches in those seven years. So right. so uh, there was a lot of turmoil. And and they and they ended up getting it right. They had a great team, a lot of success. Right. My journey was not smooth, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I came out of it hungry and angry and focused. And yeah. you think with your life lessons, like the business you're in now, you have to keep pounding away at it, keep grounding and grinding. That was the same way for your career, right? You had to keep going, like especially those first seven years. Uh, Believe in who you are, what you can do. Yeah. And did you have that? That's a good point. So now at that point during those seven years with Luke, did you believe that you could be more of a player than you were? Yes. the The answer. The answer is yes. I never questioned it. I knew what I could do. It's just a matter of playing. Each coach has its own way of seeing what the lineup should look like, yeah. what does, you know, your size, your speed, your IQ, and, and how they use it. And um, like, again, we went through seven coaches in seven years. So they have to they have to keep hearing from the scouts and, and hearing from, uh, well, we just drafted this player. We just traded for this player. And it is what it is. I, I, uh, I'm old. I'm I'm way past being bitter. I'm yeah. proud of I'm proud of that I'm still standing. Yeah, and have a career like that too. After that, I mean that those seven years could be good enough for a lot of people playing in the National Hockey League. But you went on then, and were a big part. Like I love the part that Scotty Bowman wanted you that bad, right? I think that's a heck of a compliment to you, right? He 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 was looking for glue guys. I mean, they had back then. They still already had uh, Fedorov, Eisenman, um, you know, Cicerelli, Shepard. They had high end players. So much talent. And so they just needed people to fill in the gaps and uh, uh, basically be conscientious so that those magical athletes could do whatever they wanted to do. So as, as Scotty picks me up, he says, hey, you know how to play left wing, right? I go, because I'm a righty shot. He goes, yeah, Scotty, I could play left wing. Yeah, like, sure. Because he had the left wing lock, which meant you need to be the conscientious one on the line. Right. Um, he ended up playing me a right wing, but at least he could he could flip me all, well, actually I played all the sides, but he, he could flip me and if somebody blew her, blue assignment i'd i'd right. jump on it because that was my job yeah. see i think that's fantastic that you knew your role that much and you real i mean i'm sure you wanted to be like uh sergey fedorov everybody wants to be like level of player but knowing your role is really important and having a coach say okay i can count on doug brown to do his job all right that that box is already checked i think that's fantastic so good job and and and, and uh the, the 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 humor on that is you score goals in college you're a big star but you get to the pros and everybody has yeah. magnificent talent. So you're not getting on the power play at the NHL level. I killed penalties all the way through. And, um, but I was expecting myself to score on the shorthand. And when I had the opportunity, I'm making the other team nervous. So, yeah. so I was fortunate enough to, to play with a uh, great defenseman that, that would fast break it all the time. And we try to score shorthanded. Then, um, getting in and out of the lineup in Detroit because there was so much talent. We're always five, six lines deep of everyone that could play on the top three lines. And, uh, one one day I'm a black ace, uh, meaning I'm out of the lineup for that night's game, and we're going over the power play, and whoever was supposed to be on it, let's just say it's Lidstrom was supposed to be running the power play, but he has the practice off, so they put me out there to just fill in the spot on the for, power play on the for, point. There you go. Right. So so we're running the, and I'm jumping around, and and I used to I used to keep my attitude really good and, and just be myself create what I think is the right play. And I, and I played lacrosse. I played soccer. I have a lot of offensive ideas. And so I'm bouncing around and doing things on the, on the power play, right. uh, just creating more opportunities. And so now the power play coaches, Dave Lewis at the time and Scotty's watching and they see me just creating offense from, from the defensive position at the power. So sure enough, by the end of my I don't know, 14th or not, probably 13th season, now I, I get every once in a while I get the last twenty seconds on the point oh. on the power play. Really, and uh, the the best example was um, the '98 playoffs. We're playing against Washington. Game four, we're up three nothing in games, but it's game four, 
Uh, they've thrown the puck down the ice, and we're, we're, we're on the power play. And Larry Murphy is, is on the first power play. I get to go out for Murph. Murph stays out for the whole two yeah. minutes all the time. I'm not yeah. going to get on the ice. Yeah. Murph sees that everybody's dragging the puck in the defensive zone, so he starts to head. Uh, but the pass went to Federoff. So Murph eyeballs the bench like he's coming. There's still 20 seconds left. And before Dave Lewis can grab me and put out a defenseman, I'm already over the board. <laughs> and I'm flying down the left side because Sergey's flying down the right, and I know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. So I hit the top of the circle. He does one of the most beautiful spinorammers and puts a saucer all the way across, and I get to hit a one-timer with yeah. goal one in, in the, in the wow. finals where nice. here I am on the power play getting a one-timer from Federoff wow. where – where only because I was a black ace just doing what I wanted to do. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's why I keep tell, tell players, if, if you have ideas, use your ideas. Don't 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 stay in a box. I like I like the fact that you took advantage of an opportunity too, right? Like you actually created an opportunity, really. That's pretty cool. Good job. So go back to the Boston College days. There's a lot of guys that on that team that played in the National Hockey League? So we had uh, Bobby Sweeney and I were classmates. He played 15 years in the NHL. Yeah. And then a couple, we had a, we had a really talented group. Um, a lot played in the minors, uh, but once I played in the NHL, Kevin Stevens, oh. uh, Kenny Hodge Jr., Craig Janey, T- Timmy Sweeney. Wow. Good team. Yeah, we had some, we had some talent. Did you win any national championships or get close? <laughs> no, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> we lost in triple overtime in 95, out shooting... Providence and Chris Terreri, oh. 66 to 22 and losing oh, wow. in, in triple overtime. Yeah. Wow. So and that's in the semifinals. So there we go. And then they lost in the finals to uh, RPI. Adam Oates won, won that. Right. Uh, and Poopa was in that for that. That wow. was eight, that was 85 in Joe Lewis Arena. Wow. Yeah. So the guy I think it, yeah, mo- most often is uh, Nick Lindstrom that although he's a heralded player, Hall of Famer, he's probably even underrated for that. Like he, I just thought he was so good. He was so smart. He was so smooth. People didn't see all the great things he did all the time, right? Yeah. And then let, let's go, you know, with you, you, I should have the rosters in front of me now that you're bringing up these great names, but we also had Paul Coffey on those yeah, teams early. Sure. Uh, not when we went those first two years, but he taught us so much. He was so talented. So you had you had players that were just getting the puck out of the zone all by themselves. When we traded Koff to, I always make this joke, it took us 40 games to figure out how to get out of the zone after Koff was no longer oh, back. They're just taking it out by himself. Yeah. Yeah. So How about Larry Murphy getting booed out of Toronto? Yeah. I think it was a place for you guys. Like, How did that happen? And like, Larry Onoff couldn't play anymore in San Jose, so he comes in. And, 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 no. look, look, look at our centers down the middle. This is a team that did not win. Right. We went. We went Eisenman, Federoff, Larry Onoff, Primo, Drapes, wow. Draper. The, the, how's that for? And I mean, our lineups were so deep. Yeah, and it was a crazy world. Uh, that that you know that lineup, New Jersey beat us, and and then Colorado beat us. But we uh, we we set records for regular season wins, but we weren't angry enough. Yeah, to get through the, to the win the cup. Yeah, definitely. So, so were you there with the the Konstantinov accident? Were you there? Yes. Yeah. So, so that was so. So we, that was right at, we won in 97 and that happened two nights later, three nights yeah. after we won the cup and right. we had all, we'd call the team, team, uh, golf event. We all, uh, they decided we, we, we ordered six, the players ordered six limos and we went to one of the players condominium complex. And as I'm going to meet with everybody, we're all going to get in the limos and get to the golf course because we know it's going to be a wild day. And then the limos to get us back. Um, as I'm driving to see the team, I call Fedorov because he's the only Russian. I, I ran with the Russians a lot, and and he's the only Russian who likes to play golf. So and I and so I call Sergey. I go, Sergey, I'm not going to get in the limo. Um, so because I have a feeling they're going to want to leave early from golfing and and go to dinner. So he goes, Dougie, pick me up. So instead of me going to, to there, I I switched and I picked up Sergey, and we drove to the golf event sure enough the other you know we have the other russians with us while golfing and then after nine holes they've had enough and so they go in to eat their steaks and they're headed home sergey and i are still out on the golf course finishing our nine and, and it's michigan so it's late at night and it's probably 8 30 and the sun's still up but we're coming in we get in and sergey's phone rings and it's his dad and he says sergey you okay you okay and, and sergey says i'm good he says the cops are at my door they think you're in a car accident his house was close to the road because where the accident was. 
And so you would have been you would have been in that limo. Technically, yeah, most likely oh, wow. all all of us. And and so Sergey goes, no, it must be uh, Fatisov, Konstantinov, and Sergey Matsukhanov, our trainer. Three of them had left early. They ate dinner and they're heading home. Um, so we all jumped in the car and we waited for all the boys, told all the boys, we all headed to the hospital. The girls are all at dinner at Andiamo's nice Italian restaurant. It comes across the TV that, that there's an accident. Now, my wife doesn't know if I'm, she knows who I usually run with on these events. She doesn't know if I'm in the, in the accident. They say a bunch of the, uh, Red Wings and the Russian players. And so all the wives left the restaurant and went to the hospital. It was, so we had whatever that was, you know, 60 of us at, at the hospital. And we have our three guys in intensive care. And then two of the wives uh, had miscarriages or other explosions internally that they had to. So we ended up with five of our family. I didn't know that part. Uh-huh. So it was a tough, it was a long, tough night. Did, did, did the trainer get, was, did he survive or did he? He survived. He, I, he just, he just passed away oh. uh, recently. But he was in a wheelchair oh. for a long time. Right. And Konstantinov, he was, he's in a wheelchair still. He's still in a wheelchair now. I saw him the other day at a at a reunion oh. a couple of weeks ago. We were back in Detroit for 25 years since we won. So it was good to see everybody. And Fatisov fully recovered. Yeah, he he had damage. He, he 90%, he had damage to his leg. He, the, 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 the driver had fallen asleep. That's what it was. Okay. And he just went from the right lane. You know, he's going... Call it forty-five, fifty-five, right. and and fell asleep and just drove. He couldn't have been going sixty, but he's on a road. He wouldn't be a problem that he'd be doing that. And he fell asleep, and went right across the lanes, and the boys were yelling at him to oh. wake up. Oh, and he uh, he had medical conditions. He didn't have a license. He didn't oh. have. He had he has something that puts him knocks him out. Uh, so, anyways, he he passes out, goes across, and hits a tree at 55, 60 miles an hour, and. But Tisov put his feet up on the bar that comes out in a limo. And oh. so if he hit that way and spun off, and I think, I'm only guessing, but I think Konstantinov was up front and Matsukhanov went airborne, and, and we guess that they hit heads oh. at this oh. miles an hour. Wow. That was a really emotional time, too, even after that. Like uh, the next year you guys won, right? And then he came out in the ice in the wheelchair? Yeah. yeah, right. The next year was in Washington. Yeah. I remember that being like as sad as the story was. I mean, it seemed like the team kind of rallied around that at all. And right, well, it was a scary time. I was living in Michigan at the time too, so it humbled us and brought us back down to earth pretty quick. Yeah, and well, you know. especially because obviously you're trying to do the right thing. You guys are figuring with me, have a few beers, glass of wines, whatever. So let's get limos so we're all yeah. safe and, and that happens. So, so, well, so you had a heck of a career for a guy that was never drafted, was a little fat guy that was too slow. <laughs> to play, play that long in the National Hockey League and win the Stanley Cups, that's fantastic. And work. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's motivating when when your dad says you're too slow. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he goes, well, he go, he, he, and he sent me back to you, said a lot of speed skating uh, classes and so on. And, and, and Laura Stam, who's a local uh, a legend for right. teaching teaching many of the, the pros. And I started working with her when I was uh, uh, 14. And I remember my dad calling her and calling her and I'll use the word beg, but asking her, will you please work with my son? And she goes, no, I only work with pros. I'm only 14 at the time. Right. And eventually she accepts me. And so I think I was the first youngster that she oh. worked with back then. There were only seven of us on the ice, and the other guys were all in the minors uh, trying to make it to the NHL. And uh, It was good. It, it made me think technically about the stride. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's obviously, there's a like the golf swing, It's uh, there's a rhythm to it. Yeah, she's good. She taught me too. She made a big difference in my skating. Yeah, yeah. wouldn't hit you really. <laughs> it was pretty. Shows how bad it was before. Who noticed that? That's <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff. Well, listen, you've really transitioned well. Like when you left the game, it seems like nothing really stopped you. You just said, "Okay, game's over with. Now I've got to jump in and get something going." Right? Yeah, change of profession. It wasn't retirement. It was a change of profession. You know, and uh, I I had a lot of fun. So. I have two boys. I have five kids, and and the girls. I I wanted to give back to my own. Ki- I had great parents and got me to all the games and all the sports. And I played mm-hmm. soccer, hockey, lacrosse in in high school, and I played lacrosse and hockey in college. And I wanted my children to have the same experience that I had that my parents gave me. And so, I put an awful lot into the youth hockey and the youth lacrosse. 
and uh, my wife was helping the youth soccer, and, and we just gave it as much as we could back into our kids. And now, and now the two boys play professionally, and, and it's fun to watch them. Oh, your two boys are playing? Yeah, so so the older the older one plays for the Flyers, Patrick Brown, and, um, and he's he's had eight years in professional hockey. I'm, I'm guessing eight. And uh, my other son, Christopher Brown, plays for Jacksonville, uh, and so he's three or four years professional. And and coming out of during this whole COVID thing's been very, you know, things you don't recognize for the minor leagues. It's been stressful for the players because the NHL boys they get their big paycheck. They're they're moving on. There was no money, COVID, then the teams are making money. And uh, the miners really got strapped down and, and the kids had to really fight to get on the ice and find places and, and work their way through. So, you know, you, you, you think of young, the young high school kids that struggled with COVID. And uh, I think the young pros had a lot, a lot yeah. to fight through as well. Yeah, definitely. Any regrets at all? Regrets. Um, I think uh, there's going to be none. I'm going to guess no. I, I, I think go faster. <laughs> no, you know that I, 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 I live, I live my life and I still try to, that I don't ever want to say I could have been, I would have been, I should have been. Uh, I played as hard as I could every day and left it there. You know, I, when I was in the Asian business, I represented Dallas Drake and I always thought that he was one of the guys who got the, the most out of his career. That he possibly could. And I, I would put you in that same category. I would say that you could look back and say, you know what? I, I got the most out of my career possible. Like, you know, going with Scotty Bowman, knowing your role, playing your role, like not complaining that you weren't getting more, but just being the best at that role possible. I think you had a fantastic time. So good job. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I think Dallas was there right when I got to Detroit and then he got traded out yeah. that first year, 95, that half a season. Well, we had a terrible agent, so that's probably <laughs> we, We've had a few of my former clients on. That seems to be the theme. You have a bad agent all the time, yeah? I, I, I went through a few lawyers. So my first one was Brian Burke. Oh. And he, and he was he was terrific. And then my next one was Bobby Goodnow. Oh. And uh, and so when uh, my third one was uh, Bobby Murray, and I said, Bobby, you know, you're just moving on to bigger and better things after yeah, you work yeah. with me. You gotta, yeah, there you go. Take over the League of the Union or something. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, listen, thank you very much for having us on the show. You had a fantastic story. I, I, again, I really admire it. Uh, you weren't drafted at all uh, to do what you did to fight through the seven years there in New Jersey and still keep playing. Uh, and then finally go to Detroit and win the Stanley Cup. She had a fantastic career. So, then, Luke, good job. It was great. Any Good time. to see you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Doug. See you guys. Bye. That was a great chat with uh, with Doug Brown. And how, how, Cool of a flex for that, Tom. And he's like, yeah, my son's doing well. He's on the Flyers. I know. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It's just not a big deal. Yeah, he's quite a guy. Very intelligent guy. Well-educated. Uh, unlike most hockey players. <laughs> and I'm the, I'm the guy who had the, like you said a few times, but he had to really grind it out. Get yeah. the most out of his ability. Yeah. I, again, like that really intelligent guy, but would not quit, right? Those seven, seven years he had in New Jersey there, really Lou, is that like Lou was mean to him like that, but Lou didn't get much. He doesn't want to lose guys. Yeah, he fought through it. So yeah, he's a great story. And he's got two more cups than, than we do. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know what I like to, we talked about the Scotty Bowman thing where how Scotty had a role for him. He knew to play that role. Scotty, uh, and you know, I do mind because he, like how he really created chances for himself. He'll talk about how he got on the power play. And yeah, that's a great point. Like yeah. just to, you, he, he's like another guy. Another time he seized his moment. Yeah. Just, you know, even though it was practice, yeah. he still showed them something. It's got to the genius that he is. Yeah. You know, utilized. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. awesome yeah. episode. Yeah, that was a great show. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.